Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a video on something I haven't really gotten into too much on this channel, but it's something I'm most definitely going to be getting into more because the topics, the information contained in here is something that I feel are essential for people to know and start acting upon. We're going to be talking about preparedness because shit's getting weird in society. So it's a good idea to start becoming self-sufficient and preparing yourself in case fecal matter hits the proverbial fan and shit goes sideways in society. Prepping is often frowned upon as being something for paranoid people. But you know what I say? It's for smart people. I mean, just think back a few years ago during the COVID scamdemic when that first started hitting and people were rushing out to grocery stores, stocking up on toilet paper and freaking out and going crazy, yeah, they probably wish that they prepped sooner. And those who had a nice stockpile of stuff just sat back and laughed. So the past few years, especially since COVID, a lot more people have been getting into things like prepping, homesteading, becoming self-sufficient, me included. So I'm going to be talking a lot more about that on these channels and definitely stockpiling a lot of my own stuff. Now, here in this video, I'm going to share with you some basics. I am by no means an expert in this craft, but I have learned quite a bit. Binged watched a lot of YouTube channels, have begun stockpiling my own stuff. So we're going to talk about seven different categories here to focus on when it comes to prepping. And hey, if you already have, a good amount of stock in any of these seven categories, or all seven of them, great. You are even far ahead of me. But if you are just getting into prepping or you want to become self-sufficient, hopefully in this video, I'll share with you a few tips, tricks, details for you to keep in mind to begin your journey, journey doing so. Also, full disclosure, before we get into this list of seven things, uh, I will be showing and recommending some products throughout this video. I haven't been paid to promote any of them, but I do have some affiliate links for a few of the things that I'm going to talk about. And if you want to purchase any of the stuff and support this channel, feel free to check the description below. I'll link some stuff down there. So let's begin number one on the list of seven things to keep in mind when you start your prepping journey. Number one, of course, is food. So when it comes to food, uh, first of all, you can start looking into dehydrated foods and MREs. MRE is, stands for meal ready to eat. You can go to any military surplus store and they'll usually have rations of MREs you can buy for maybe a few bucks a pack and you can stock up on maybe a few weeks or month or two's worth there. There's also, I guess we could say like civilian grade MREs you can buy from a variety of companies. And there's all kinds of dehydrated foods out there. I think I have a little bit of like dehydrated beef that'll last um, quite a while. And all I need to do is just boil, boil some water and add it to it. And boom, I can eat it. I do also have, um, this is a pretty popular company when it comes to shelf-stable dehydrated foods, My Patriot Supply. I've got a couple of these. This is a 30-day food supply, basically MREs. And it has a shelf life up to 25 years. So I got two of these, two months worth of shelf-stable foods right there. You know, if stuff goes sideways and for any reason I 
can't grow food, I don't have food, I got a couple of months worth of stock that I'll be all right with. So that's dehydrated food and MREs, right? But of course, you're not really going to be able, you might be able to live a few months on that, but you're going to get sick of eating the same crap after a bit of time. And then it's also not going to supply you long term. If we're talking multiple years of having to feed yourself or feed your family, you're definitely going to want to get into storing seeds to be able to grow a garden. And then, of course, when you grow that garden, you want to make sure you keep the seeds from the food you grow so you can plant next year and etc. And also stocking dried goods. Get a good amount of things like salt, flour, sugar, dried rice, dried beans, dried grains, the things that can last years um, on the shelf, you know, in your pantry or in your storage shed out back. Of course, you're going to want to keep them in a cool, dry place. So that is far more important, honestly, than the dehydrated stuff. I like having the dehydrated stuff just as a contingency or emergency, but as the primary, you're going to want seeds and then dried goods to be able to cook with grains, salt, flour, stuff like that. And as you're going through stockpiling the stuff, you know, you don't have to go out and this applies for any of the uh, categories I'm going to get into here. You don't have to go out and spend 10,000 bucks to stockpile all of it in one day, right? Every week, when you're at the grocery store, just buy a little bag of salt or an extra bag of rice or beans or something like that. Spend 10 to 20 bucks a week, and then over time, over a few months or a year, you'll have a good amount of stock. Just a little bit every week when it comes to getting food or water or ammo or whatever the case, and you'll have a good stock in due time. So that's food. Now let's get into category number two, and that, of course, is water food and water. So when it comes to water, think of water storage, capturing the water and then storing the water, water filtration, and then water purification. So when it comes to storage, many, many ways you can store water. You know, if you own your own home and you're in an area, shit, where they're not making it illegal, right? Some of these states are trying to make collecting rainwater illegal, but get barrels or one of those giant, um, I don't know how many gallons, thousand gallon or whatever the case, where you can just collect rainwater, make sure it filters as it goes into the big drum or wherever you're storing it. But there you go, you know, very good idea to have that water on hand. Um, and you also need to filter the water too. So you can either, uh, well, have a filtration system on that giant setup, but then you can also have some small filters that you can maybe stock in a go bag or whatever the case, because what if you have to evacuate wherever you're at? You know, you're not going to be able to carry that thousand gallon drum with you. If you have to, for any reason, bug out, it's a good idea to have some portable small filters and purification setups that you can take at a moment's notice. Um, also, if for any reason, you do get, you do bug in and maybe a natural disaster happens or something like that. Uh, there's something I really like called a water bob. I think it is. It's a water bob where it's a big bladder you basically just put in your bathtub. 
and you turn the bathtub on, hook it up to the faucet, and it fills up with anywhere from 60, you can get bigger ones, to 100 gallons of water, and they'll often have a little uh, water filter on it as well. So if for any reason, you know, hurricane comes in, earthquake, whatever, fire in the area, who knows, right? This is kind of the point of being prepared, not just for potential societal collapse, but also for natural disaster variety of natural disasters or whatever, right? Good idea to have these things on hand just in case. Um, but water bobs, yeah, just put them in your bathtub. You can fill up like 60 gallons and be good for maybe a couple of weeks right there with some emergency water rations uh, in your freaking bathtub in a bladder. So storage, filtration, and then purification. So when it comes to water purification, um, I'm a big fan of, of course, chlorine dioxide. This is a company called Oneness Drops. I've been working with them for a long time. They make very good uh, kits where you just add these together and then put that in the water and it kills pathogens, parasites, things like that in the water to make it drinkable. So once you filter the water, and this is just a small little kit, you can take it with you. So say you are needing to drink from a stream or some source that is questionable, you can filter that and then do your chlorine dioxide water purification, and then bam, um, you've got drinkable water right there. If for some reason, like you can't boil it, or you want to add in the extra step of, okay, I boiled it, but I also want to purify it with some chlorine dioxide just to make sure I don't get uh, poop soup in the morning. So that is a good idea. You can also clean with this stuff. Very helpful to uh, clean with as well. So I'm a big fan of chlorine dioxide. There'll be a link for, uh, below for that. You can also find tablets of this too, chlorine dioxide tablets. Backpackers and hikers and survivalists have been using chlorine dioxide tablets for eons to purify water with. So those are the three things to think of when it comes to water. Storage, filtration, purification. And when it comes to water, you're not just gonna need water to drink with, but you're also gonna need water to cook with, clean with, potentially water for your garden or your homesteading. So you're going to need more than you think. Ideally, three quarters of a gallon to a gallon per person per day just for drinking, and then another gallon or two for all the other things, hygiene and, and cooking and all that. So ideally, three gallons per person per day. That adds up quick. So keep that in mind when it comes to water storage. Now let's get into category number three. Category number three of things to have. Keep in mind, stock up on when it comes to preparedness is self-defense. And when I say self-defense, I particularly mean guns and ammo. Guns and ammo. So when you start perusing around the firearm enthusiast or prepper channels on the internet or on YouTube, you'll find there's all kinds of videos out there on the, it's usually five, the five guns to have in case shit hits the fan. And the five guns they usually suggest are a handgun chambered in nine millimeter, a rifle chambered in 5.56, a smaller rifle chambered in 22, a bigger rifle chambered in 308 and a shotgun. That's a great list. That is a great list. Handgun chambered in 9mm because 9mm is super plentiful. 
and you can conceal that handgun. So if you're, you know, away from your house for whatever reason, uh, you can have that on you and conceal it so you're not just carrying it around. A rifle chambered in 5.56 because also 5.56, very plentiful. And that'll be more for like self-defense of the homestead purposes. That scary black rifle chambered in 5.56. Uh, smaller rifle chambered in 22, that would be for hunting small game, things like rabbits or squirrels or whatnot, in case you want to eat them. Also good for pest control, also good just for teaching your kids, and 22 ammunition is incredibly cheap, far cheaper than 9mm or 5.56. Average price for 9mm round these days is like 25 cents a round. 5.56 is like 45 to 47 cents a round. And 22, I don't even know, man. You can get 5,000 rounds of 22 for like 200 bucks. So 22 is super cheap. Uh, good for teaching, good for small game hunting. 308 rifle is going to be for big game hunting. You can hunt big game with the 5.56, but it might not be one shot, one kill, or you'll get one shot in and the deer will scurry away and it'll be a while before that deer drops, so you're gonna have to track it. Thing with the 308 cartridge is that there's a lot more stopping power, so you hit that deer, and it might just drop right there. 308 is a lot better for hunting, and also, I mean, protecting the homestead if you need a sort of battle rifle like that. So 308 gun, and then shotgun. Shotgun for maybe hunting birds, or home defense, or you know whatever the case, plus shotgun rounds are also plentiful. Now, if you don't have the money for all those five guns, and this is something I'll be doing more videos on, uh, you know, in the future, I would boil it down to just two. If you had to pick two of those five, I would choose the handgun chambered in 9mm, and I would choose the scary black rifle chambered in 5.56. You could also throw the 22 in there, because 22 rifles are pretty cheap. You can get one for three or four hundred bucks, and the uh, 22 um, ammunition is super cheap as well. So I might throw the 22 in there as well, but at least the handgun and the uh, AR-15, ideally, chambered in 5.56. So with the handgun, I would recommend a Glock. Now, is a Glock the best gun out there? No, the trigger's not that good. Um, grip angle. For some people, they don't like it. It's kind of boxy. It's not the most comfortable gun to shoot. And the sights, at least the factory Glock sights, aren't the best. But the thing about the Glock, when it comes to shit hits the fan, is that it's just damn, re damn reliable. It just runs. And you don't have to clean it that much. And, you know, when it comes to reliability and also aftermarket parts, like if for some reason the springs go out or you need a new barrel or whatever the case, there's going to be much more available out there than other firearms. So the Glock, purely for reliability, is why I would choose a Glock 19 or a Glock 17, some form of Glock, probably the 19 or the 17, because uh, those are chambered in 9mm, but there's a lot of other Glocks out there. So I would suggest a Glock for shit hits the fan. Um, that's why I have one. Is it my bedside gun? No, I have a different bedside gun that just fits my hand better. Is it my carry gun? Not during the summer months, because it's a little big. Uh, I do carry it during the winter months, because it can fit under a jacket easily. But I just have a Glock on hand in case shit hits the fan for those exact reasons. Reliability, 
and durability of the Glock platform. Um, also, it's a good idea to have a light, a light on your pistol, because if you need to investigate something and you need a flashlight, make sure it's attached to a gun. You need to identify whatever you are encountering, whatever threat is in front of you. Got to identify it so something bad doesn't happen. Um, when it comes to the light, you don't need the brightest light out there. You don't need the fanciest light. You don't need the fanciest anything. But I also would recommend carrying a spare light with you. You can just get a little pocket light like this. Um, the reason being is because if for some reason you need to identify something and you need light to do so, you're not always going to want to whip your pistol out to be able to shine the light on something, right? Sometimes it's just better to have a light that's not attached to a gun. So this is getting it more into EDC, everyday carry type stuff. I prefer to have a separate light. Um, I do have a light on my bedside gun. That's where I usually keep this light on but anyway that'll be a future video edc stuff and then for the ar-15 in 5.56 um need a sling need something to aim with um ideally backup irons iron sights and then you know you don't have to get the fanciest one out there there's ar-15s that are freaking four thousand bucks but with modern machinery you can get a decently reliable AR-15 that will run, and it'll cost you 600 bucks, maybe, right? You don't need to go balls to the wall and spend four grand on a freaking Knight's Armament or whatever AR-15. So just make sure you have some to aim with, a sling, and then um, it'd be a good idea to have a light on your AR as well in case you, uh, you're out at night or something like that, you need light, but that's pretty pretty much it, just the basics. And then when it comes to ammo, how much ammo would you stock? I mean, I would start with 1,000 rounds of 9mm and 1,000 rounds of 5.56. If we're stockpiling for shit hitting the fan, 1,000 rounds of each as like the baseline, because we're trying to stock ammo for years, right? So 1,000 rounds of 9mm, 1,000 rounds of 5.56, start there. And just like I said with the food, you know, you don't have to go out and spend $10,000 on ammo right right now to stockpile. But um, just bit by bit, week by week, buy a little bit or, or once a month or something like that and stock up. So there's pretty much that when it comes to firearms, you know, and the other ones, the 308. If you have the financial resources to get a rifle chambered in 308, it's just better for big game hunting or a shotgun or something like that. But those are just the two ones that I would suggest to have if shit hits the fan. So there's those. And I think that's all I wanted to cover with guns and ammo. Oh, when it comes to storing your ammo, make sure it's in airtight, watertight containers and kept in a cool, dark, dry place. And then ammo can store, I mean, it can store for years, if not decades, and be just fine. So you don't really need to worry about it as long as it's uh, kept dry, you know, airtight, watertight, and you'd be good to go. Uh, next, let's get on to number four, communications. So communication, 
essential with anything. We're talking about an event or a situation in society where you're not going to have access to a cell phone. Or maybe your cell phone's going to die because your house doesn't have electricity and you can't charge it. Or maybe the cell towers go down. So, you know, primary, if we're talking planning, think of this acronym right here, PACE, P-A-C-E. Primary, Alternate, Contingency, Emergency. So right now, primary might be a cell phone. That's fine. But you're going to need alternates, contingencies, emergencies. So primary might be cell phone. Alternate would be a radio. This is called a Baofeng UV5R radio. Super cheap. You can get these right now online for like 30 bucks. But these are handy dandy ass radios that uh, depending on, you know, the uh, terrain you live in and the antenna you have, these could get a few miles range. But the convenient thing about these is that you're able to uh, plug into channels to be able to monitor things like emergency services or weather reports or stuff like that going on in your area or be able to monitor, you know, other people if they <laughs> if you happen to be on their same channel and they're talking you can monitor what else is being said so baofeng radios good alternate to have maybe as a contingency uh primary alternate now we're talking contingency you could get into ham radios or like old school cb radios uh, if you want to get into that right now just got to be careful i think there are certain licenses you need if you want to broadcast on on certain channels or wavelengths but hey maybe just get one and figure out how to use it don't broadcast anything on it but you can listen to certain channels that's fine so anyway something that might be uh you might want to get into is ham radios and then emergency i mean shoot signal flares or mirrors or a laser pointer or something like that right i mean if we're talking about the ability to communicate or uh, any of that in a shit hits the fan scenario, it might be a good idea to have something like that. So communications, essential. And also, also think of ways to power them, okay? So again, shit hits the fan, you might not be able to power this, at least with the electrical outlet in your home. So that's why I really like to have solar-powered chargers. Uh, I've got like a bunch of these flashlights and also a couple of these solar powered chargers here you can see it's like powering itself right now in the light that's coming through uh <laughs> coming through the window behind me so these have boom two usb outs so just let this sit in the sun and it can charge stuff i think it even has a flashlight on it itself but super handy and then this is a flashlight. It's like a tactical flashlight with a seatbelt cutter and window smasher. This is handy to have in your car in case you get in an accident. But it's got a compass on it and solar powered. Also, can't charge my phone. I actually like to have this on me when I'm traveling because they do let me take this in airports. And, you know, if I need a self-defense weapon, like, that guy's pretty sharp. And this is pretty heavy duty flashlight also it saved my ass a few times when i needed to charge my phone and i didn't have any way to do it 
so I just plug my phone into this right there and it's able to get a pretty decent charge pretty fast just on a solar power flashlight. So links for these will be down below. Um, just handy to have on hand, just in case, solar powered chargers. A lot of other solar powered chargers that are out there uh, that you can look into as well. So we went through communications and ways to power them, batteries, solar power chargers, things like that. Now let's get on to number five. Number five is gonna be medical gear, med gear. Not only small boo-boo kits for things like cuts or burns, uh, blisters on your feet, say you gotta go on a long walk or something like that, start getting blisters on your feet. You're gonna want moleskin or, or some type of uh, antibacterial to be able to not get infected when you're out in the shit or wherever. So small boo-boo kits, but also trauma kits, big trauma kits and uh, trauma kits with gauze and something to fill larger wounds and a tourniquet as well. Definitely a tourniquet. Actually two tourniquets because two is one and one is none when it comes to uh, tourniquets. I like redundancy. I really like redundancy when it comes to anything in life, but especially preparedness. So I've got two ARs, two tourniquets, two solar powered thing, got a bunch of solar powered things, two flashlights, right? So um, definitely two, but yeah, medical gear, not much more needs to be said there. Uh, when it comes to heavy duty trauma kits, I like a company called Refuge Medical. They make very, very heavy duty, a variety of different heavy duty trauma kits with all kinds of stuff in them, tourniquets and gauze and wound, filler and quick clot all types all types of stuff in them so uh go check out refuge medical for those kits now let's get into number six number six is tools gonna want tools right so things like shovels knives um and when it comes to knives i'm not talking just these these are a good idea to have but also the heavy duty knives a few of them get one that's machete length get a few that are just a variety of knives um and when you get a knife make sure the uh blade get a fixed blade number one these are cool for like edc and basically just opening boxes and stuff but when you get a knife for heavy duty work shit hitting the fan you're gonna want that knife to last a long time Get a fixed blade and make sure you get at least at least a what's called a three-quarter tang or even a full tang. So when it comes to fixed blade knives, the tang is when the knife goes into the handle. And a three-quarter tang means the blade goes three-quarters of the way down the handle. Full tang means the steel goes all the way down. Full tang means the whole thing is steel. And then the handle is a part of basically the steel that goes up that forms the blade. So you want a lot of tang with your knife. That way the handle won't break off. That's why you get a knife that's three quarter to full tang knife. So the handle doesn't break off because if you need to do stuff like chop wood or heavy duty work or something like that, then uh, it's better to have a full tang knife. 
um, and not some crappy like woo pocket knife like that. So knives, uh, ladders, saws, hammer, nails, wrenches, axes, multiple axes, right? So um, things like that. You're going to want tools if S hits the F. And again, redundancy, always a good idea because things break. So get two shovels, two axes, multiple knives, things like that. Have a stock. Uh, and then the last category here, probably the most important one, honestly, is books. Stockpile books. And when I say books, I don't mean ebooks that you keep on your iPad. I mean old school books. Remember those? Do those even exist anymore? Or they've all been burned and banned from the schools by now. So books with words on paper. And stockpile books with just resourceful information that you're going to need. Books on how to garden, homestead, books on land navigation, books on medical, wound care, things like that. Books on hunting, how to fix things, books on basic functioning of engines or things like that. How to fix your lawnmower or a car engine or thing or you get what I'm saying, right? Practical books. And again, you can go down to like probably a military surplus store and get field guides on survivalism and all kinds of useful books like that. Or just start ordering some books on freaking Amazon or whatever used bookstore you can find that has stuff like that. So definitely stockpile information because it's a good idea right now while we have the internet while you can just binge watch YouTube videos and all that. But of course, you're gonna want a reference guide. If you don't have the internet, if you don't have the ability to search YouTube and watch YouTube videos on how to do something, you're gonna want a reference guide in front of you to be able to figure out, oh, this is the best growing season for these vegetables. And I mean, you can even find, like I'm a part of some Telegram groups where they post free books on this sort of stuff, on gardening and herbalism and natural remedies and plant identification. That is a definite book to find. Ah, it's like, this is proof that the elites want to depopulate us all is that they don't teach us about poisonous plants in school. Um, <laughs> but plant identification, plants to avoid so you don't get sick or die, and plants that you can eat and are edible in your area, right? So that's definitely helpful. Like I just I just learned about this plant that grows all over the place. Uh hemlock, poisonous hemlock. I just learned about that fairly recently, like a few months ago, about how deadly water hemlock and poisonous hemlock is. And I was thinking to myself, man, when I grew up in Washington State, I remember seeing that pretty plant that grows with the white flowers and all that. I remember seeing that everywhere. Thank God I never touched it or thought it was pretty and wanted to see how it tastes because turns out hemlock, super poisonous. I'm not talking about the tree. I'm talking about this small plant that grows white flowers on the end of it, uh, water hemlock. Sometimes it's called a poison hemlock. So plant identification books, very helpful. Um, but yeah, you can go on to like Telegram and find channels that post free PDF books, download them, 
print them out ideally. I've got a huge list saved on my desktop. I have to myself print them out. Be a good idea for me to do that. So you don't even need to spend money on stockpiling survivalist and prepping books. You can find all kinds of stuff on the internet for free, download them, and just print them out. So yeah, number seven, books, information. Stockpile that, prep with that. Probably the most important out of all of these. So especially books on how to fix stuff, make stuff. Books on how to make a cabin in the woods or how to fix a firearm if it breaks or how to right, fix engines, things like that. So I think that's it. Seven categories, food, water, self-defense, communications, med gear, tools, and info, info books. Just start educating yourself on these seven categories. Are there other categories that I missed? Probably. Again, I am, I don't know everything when it comes to this subject. Nobody knows everything when it comes to this subject, but there definitely are experts out there that you can refer to. Um, and I'm going to be learning a lot more about these subjects and sharing that information with you. But again, it's just a good idea to be prepped, be prepared, because who knows? Just look at what happened in Maui a few weeks ago with those fires. People had to grab whatever they could and just leave their house. And imagine if they had a go bag ready to go with some stuff in it that they could survive for three to five days with just what's in that backpack or that go bag. Um, even when it comes to natural disasters, earthquakes, hurricanes, wildfires, anything like that, it's just a good idea to have a preparedness stock in case there's a natural disaster because it happens all the time. No matter where you're at, there's going to be something that you should probably uh, be aware of or be prepared for. Or we could talk civil unrest. Hopefully, society doesn't get to a situation like that. But we saw what happened in 2020, and who knows what could happen in the next few years. Just a good idea to be prepared just in case. Again, it's not paranoia. It's smart. It's looking out for yourself and your loved ones, having stock on hand of food, water, self-defense, etc. And then having a plan. Having a plan you create with you and your loved ones in case something goes sideways, a a probably a bug-in plan and a bug-out plan. Like, hey guys, if stuff goes sideways, we're gonna meet at Joe's house or my house or wherever, and that's gonna be the bug-in location for these reasons. Uh, or you could have a bug-out plan. Like, I've kinda got a basic one with some of my friends in the area here that if stuff goes sideways, we're going to meet at this location and we're going to each bring these supplies and we're going to go up um, into the forest and, you know, bug out for a little bit of time. So have a plan. And again, when it comes to planning, primary, alternate, contingency, emergency, pace, keep that in mind. Good idea to have uh, alternates and contingencies in case you need them. And... Um, a lot of other things to talk about in terms of this subject, things that I'll be learning, sharing with you, and keep up your own knowledge searching when it comes to this. Plus, please post your comments down below on any of these topics, what I might have missed, what you want to expound upon. Please do, because we're all here. We're all learning. We could all use more knowledge and use more 
preparedness, understanding to be self-sufficient. Because we're really, I think society is moving more towards being self-deficient, self-sufficient. You've got a lot of people getting into homesteading, getting into off-gridding, getting into stocking up on stuff because they've seen how society has been the past few years and they're like, you know what? I can't depend on the government. I can't depend on anybody else. I am my own responsibility. I need to depend on me. And, you know, I think society is going to shift to becoming far more local community oriented, small circle oriented, and that's a very good thing. So we're not dependent upon massive supply chains, massive corporations that could, you know, be gone in a second, be gone the next day for whatever reason. So it's going to be an interesting few years. Prepare yourself, friends. Hope you learned something from this video. There'll be a lot more coming. Appreciate you for watching here, this uh, over half hour video. And uh, I'll see you in the next one. Take care, everybody.